Hi, I'm Jenna Lee, a pediatric occupational therapist. And I'm Greg, a doctor of educational psychology. We're husband and wife, parents of four, trying to make evidence-based parenting practices accessible to all. Thanks for joining us as we learn to navigate the happy human life. All right, everybody, welcome to episode number four, date number four. If you've made it this far, we're kind of under the assumption that you've listened to one, two, and three, and you have been hooked by the happy human message. You are here. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, <laughs> they're loving it. That's, that's what I'm saying. And so <laughs> we're, you know, I've been looking forward to being a little more relaxed with these things. It's been, it's been weird trying to have these conversations and recording them and putting them out there, knowing that strangers are listening to us. And so we've both been a little anxious, a little uptight. And uh, I didn't really talk to you about this before, but like, I'm just going to, I'm letting the guard down today. Take I, off the mask. I'm taking off the mask. You might hear some swears. Oh. Uh, no, I'm kidding. We did we Ooh. did have a Are conversation. Are children listening? No. So we, we want to make this a podcast you can listen to in the car Family friendly. Kids. Family friendly. We heard of another podcast that's just dropping F-bombs like crazy. <laughs> Those poor parents, like, you got to be tucked away in the bathroom listening to that thing. I don't want to be that. They might be on to something. Yeah. I might want to do that. So, so should we be swearing? <laughs> yeah, <right>. Maybe. <laughs> get, get people to hide away. <laughs> so we are here today, though. Talking about emotionally intelligent discipline. I mean, we get a lot of questions uh, mm-hmm. and specifically around disciplining children, kind of this idea of the traditional punishments that we were all well, mostly raised with. Uh, I don't think any of us really like the model and we want to be able to move on to doing other forms of discipline that might be a little more effective. I think we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. What we learned was disciplining through punishment and, you know, other strategies that parents, caregivers, teachers used with us. And really, I think what we're finding is that they're not effective. We don't feel like we're teaching skills and everyone feels bad yeah. Afterwards. It doesn't feel good to punish or be punished, yet here we are. It doesn't. And I don't, you know, I don't think it felt good for our parents, caregivers, or teachers either. But again, now that we know better, we can do better. So is this an episode about knowing better? I think so. Yeah. Uh, And so what's funny is, you know, much of this episode is going to be about kind of replacing punishment with connection. Um, And just to make it clear to everyone out there, we struggle doing this ourselves on the daily. Um, We're at the point now where we catch each other. Like I remember putting out a quick threat to my son last night. You're not going to get your pajamas on. Well, I'm going to take that thing away from you. Um, this idea of the the threat. And like, I know you were there kind of over the shoulder, giving the look like we're not, we're not doing that anymore. We're not supposed and to it, do that. Stop. But, but <laughs> again, it is what it is. Sometimes we fall back on these kinds of strategies because in the moment they seem to be incredibly effective. And last night, the moment I threatened taking away what he was playing with, he got his ass up and he got ready for bed. Um, so I totally want to acknowledge why we use these strategies. We see this kind of short-term effectiveness. So if you're punishing, whether that means adding some kind of aversive stimulus or removing some sort of negative stimulus, I get it. We do it every day. Um, But we're trying to just kind of shift that into something a little more positive. Mm -hmm. So like you have been hearing in our three episodes, I just got the hurry up sign from Jenna Lee. I'm apparently (laughs) rambling. The two cups of coffee was a bad idea. All right. So, So... 
Uh, by the end of this episode, we are going to help us all better understand how to replace punishment with connection and be able to engage in emotionally intelligent discipline using the three actionable tips that we're going to share. Do you want another cup of coffee? I think I need a third cup of coffee <laughs> just to balance things out. I'm all over the place right now. Uh, but yeah, we're going to have our three tips for you. Um, are you ready to do this? We're going we're gonna to dive right in. We're going to start to focus. We're going to focus. Rain it in. Okay. All right. So I, I think when we were talking about this episode, we really feel like it's our coming to Jesus episode, right? Like we're going to completely shift our parenting approaches from punishing, consequences, shaming, you name it, everything that just doesn't feel good to this emotionally intelligent discipline. So we really hope that by the time you finish listening to this episode that you'll be better able to leave those dysregulated days, right? So when we get dysregulated, all of the tools that we've learned, all of those strategies sort of take a backseat. And then we jump to punishment because we're not able to access those tools and those strategies that we've learned, right? So what do we do? Knee-jerk punishments, timeouts, I really want us to start asking ourselves, what's my child trying to communicate with me and what kind of help do they need? Yeah. And so again, just to make it clear, we often fail at this ourselves. It's something we're working on a lot each and every day. And like all the tips that we share out, all the ideas, all the strategies, it requires work. Uh, None of these are a kind of fix all. It's going to start working magically uh, today. You have to work at it. And we've been at this for years now. We really mm-hmm. started making this massive parenting shift. So if you're just kind of starting out on your journey, just do be prepared. It's going to take work. It's going to take time. Um, but every step forward you take gets you closer to that goal. So hang in there. All right. So in order to kick things off here, we usually share out some statistics from the polls that we put on social media. So we asked, how effective do you find your current approach to setting boundaries with your child? And 83% of you found that your current approach to setting boundaries is not effective or only somewhat effective. And again, that's why we're here talking about this. We're doing these things every day, but we don't really feel like it's working that well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we also asked, how often do you feel conflicted about enforcing boundaries versus giving in to your child's requests? And I don't think this is going to come to, you know, a surprise to anyone, but 92% of you feel conflicted about enforcing boundaries with your kids. Yeah, that's, I think, the highest number we've gotten here on any of the topics that we've shared. Uh, So clearly... And and boundaries are vital to emotionally intelligent discipline. So that's why we wanted to ask these questions, Mm -hmm. just to kind of give you an idea of why we... We're asking these on social media. Yeah, and so this goes to show us all just how challenging, number one, establishing and then maintaining boundaries is, right? We as caregivers are exhausted. Our patience is almost always run thin. And, you know, sometimes we'll set a boundary wondering if the boundary we set is even necessary. We're kind of rethinking it after the fact. And, you know, we obviously no one wants to hurt their kids, but punishment is kind of a form of hurt, whether it's, you know, this kind of psychological, I'm adding something aversive or removing something pleasant that you want. Uh, we want to them to feel good. We care about their emotional well-being. So 
all of this and the traditional models that we grew up with, it's tough. It's difficult. It's a challenge. Yeah. And I think, you know, another piece of it is that we want our kids to like us. Mm -hmm. And we think that if we give in to our child's requests that they're going to like us when in reality boundaries are such an important part of everyone's emotional well-being in the family. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's dig into one of our happy human community member questions that uh, we've been sharing to kind of dig into our tips to contextualize things. So Sandra said, my three-year-old won't do anything without a fight. Bedtime can be such a struggle. There's a fight to get into their pajamas. That's me last night. To get their teeth brushed, to get them to stay. You had in a hard bed. time getting into your pajamas last night. Yeah, no. <laughs> it was a fight. Our two-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Sandra continues. We tried a sticker chart and it worked short-term, but he's making bedtime a two-hour-long process, and we resort to threatening to take away toys in his bed or closing the door, which he doesn't like, in order to get him to stay in bed. Even that doesn't work much, but I feel like I'm constantly threatening him to get him to sleep. He's clearly tired, but refuses naps during the day. And if we start bedtime earlier, it's just a longer process. My husband and I have to switch off so we don't lose it on him. But now he'll just say, okay, take my toys. Love the attitude there, buddy. I don't know. Do it. I dare you. (laughs) I don't know what other consequences we can use that will convince him to just stay in his bedroom. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I think we just need to all take a moment to acknowledge that bedtime is hard. I hate bedtime. It can be a struggle. They're tired or overtired. We're tired. It's really like this perfect storm. And it's got to feel so awful to have this layer of threats and consequences in order to get our kids to stay in bed. Yeah. But sometimes it seems like it's literally the only thing that works, right? Um, and just like me last night, he listened when I threatened taking away yeah. the, the slime that he was playing with. Um, so I got reinforced for using that threat, uh, this kind of consequence or threat of a consequence. Uh, so I get it. Yeah. I mean, and then there's the sticker charts, which we've all been advised to use with our kids, right? Sandra's no different. I've used them in the past. I've used them in therapy in the past. But do they work long term? Right? No. They're simply, they're not sustainable. They don't get to the root of the problem. And shocker, they're not teaching any skills. Absolutely. That's it. And so, you know, We have tried all of these behavioral strategies that we experienced as kids and then were taught in school. And so, you know, I went to school as to be an educational psychologist and was was quite literally given the tools. This is what science tells you you need to do to control people's behavior. You, I took a class in grad school on behavior as an occupational therapist. Yes. (laughs) So So, we've, we've come really far (laughs) since then. So as professionals though, we're being taught this idea that you need to use operant conditioning with some, some of you will remember uh, from psychology, uh, right? If you need to give rewards for good behavior and aversive punishments and timeouts for this, you know, kind of quote unquote bad behavior, uh, essentially making our kids pay for their mistakes. But yeah, uh, we need to kind of take a step back and realize the things that we've either been taught in school or kind of experienced ourselves as kids, you know, just because 
our parents didn't allow us to get away with our, you know, quote unquote misbehaviors Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that we have to make our kids pay for theirs. Right. Right. I mean, like we're basically, this is like the coming to Jesus part, right? We're punishing our kids for a lack of skill. They have brains that are quite literally a work in progress. I think that's something that we might just need to repeat to ourselves often. Our kids' brains are a work in progress. Yeah. They have these underdeveloped frontal lobes. They are sometimes physiologically unable to engage in the kind of hypothetical and deductive reasoning that we would kind of expect them to be able to do as humans. So in the moment, they're not using the type of thinking skills that we kind of take for granted and assume that they're using. Right. So let's use an example. Say you have a child who comes home with a low score on a math test, Mm. right? Are you going to punish them for a lack of understanding, a lack of knowledge, a skill deficit? No. No. What do we do? We teach them. We get them more support. We hire a tutor if we can. We ask the teacher to meet with them after school. We think about how we can help them grow, understand, develop the skill so that they can do better the next time, gain knowledge, feel better about themselves, right? So instead of teaching or coaching, we're resorting to punishment, which only leads to everyone just feeling miserable. Yeah. And like what's, you know, I'm kind of sitting here listening to this and I can hear like the inner thoughts of maybe some of the people out there listening to this saying things like, but without punishment, our kids will become entitled or they won't respect our authority or they'll think that we're okay that they're doing those things that they shouldn't do. Are you talking about the trolls on social media? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, every day. So we do. All right. Greg is coming to battle against the trolls. There are every day. We check every single comment that anyone's ever put on any video. And it's at this point, it's just mind numbing to realize how much time I've engaged with some of these people. But to be fair, when I engage with these trolls, well, honestly, most of the time they just unmovable, if that makes Mm. sense. But I always ask questions uh, and I'll say, well, why do you feel that way? And we'll say one out of 10 trolls, um, provided they're, they're, not, they're not like a bot or something, will come back with their explanation. And once they've kind of emptied their cup, shared their perspective, it kind of opens the door a bit. And I've had, like, let's say one out of 10 trolls that I've engaged with kind of come around to, to my perspective a little bit, which has been fantastic um, to be able to kind of move what I would argue are the hardest people to move. Yeah. But, yeah, I could see how that could be rewarding. Yeah. I choose not to engage with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they, or you're better off for it because they can say some awful things. Mm-hmm. But anyways, we need to shift our mindset away from thinking that the only way to respond to an undesirable or unpleasant behavior is by punishing or giving some sort of aversive consequence, right? Uh, and I think that's kind of the big takeaway that we're trying to get across here before we dig into those three actionable tips. Right. So this only looks at the surface level, doesn't look at what's going on underneath. If we remember, think back to that iceberg analogy, Mm. we're only seeing that tip of the iceberg, these behaviors, but what's causing the behaviors may require a little bit more detective work. Detective work. Ding, ding, ding. And so that's going to be in one of our actionable tips here. And, uh, <laughs> I, but I love it. And so one of the tips is going to involve playing detective. And so for all of the 
Sherlock Holmes is listening in. Part of uh, what we're going to lay out for you here today is this idea of playing detective, which you know sounds cool. So it's not about decreasing these misbehaviors, but instead increasing skills during moments of regulation through modeling and teaching, which ultimately will be a proactive way to decrease these sort of things that we call misbehaviors. I think the reason Greg and I are spending a lot of time on this introduction is that it's going to take a lot to really begin to rewrite what's been so ingrained within all of us. So something like giving our child space to experience all of their emotions versus reacting, punishing, or threatening might not necessarily come naturally at first because it's not what we learn and it's not what we've necessarily been. I can't speak for everybody, but it's not necessarily something we've been practicing up until this point. Exactly. And so, you know, this is why it's so tough because it does really start with us, right? Right. It's not, We're not going to give you that fix my child answer, which I think a lot of people are hoping yeah. for. Well, me too. I mean, yeah. how, oh, I, how nice would it be to have an expert say, hey, Greg, this is what you need to do so your kid doesn't do that. Um, but instead, it's like, Greg, this is what you need to do to fix how you react to your child to help them so they don't do that. But also how powerful that we're relying on ourselves yeah. to make the change versus expecting... Ooh. Change agent just popped in my head, and I like to refer to myself like now a, as a change agent. This is like an aha moment, <laughs> yeah. right? It's powerful to be the one that's able to make the change versus relying on our children with their developing brains. We yeah. shouldn't be relying on them to do that. No. So the idea is we are parents. We are caregivers. Mm-hmm. Again, I know a lot of us out there might, you know, might be grandparents, aunts, uncles. I know we have a lot of teachers that have reached out to mm-hmm. us. Um, at the end of the day here, yes, obviously there are kids and we are their parents or grandparents or other, but we need to be their guides. We need to kind of lead them through calmness and regulation by first managing our own emotions and being, uh, for example, mindful of our triggers. Um, So again, we're so quick to want to say it's just my damn kids, right? And Mm -hmm. focus on them as this thing that needs fixing. Um, But again, We can start with us and those effects will cascade down. Mm -hmm. So today with our three actionable tips, you're going to notice that they follow this kind of step-like progression from one to two to three. Step one, we're going to do the step that leads into step two, which does the step that leads into step three. So we're kind of laying out a three-part action plan for you. Tell me more about what steps are like, Greg. Well, Please mansplain this for all of us. <laughs> I wish I, love I could. You. Re- thank you. I could retract the mansplaining. My God, thank okay. you, Jenna Lee, for bringing me back We all have a lot of unlearning to do. <laughs> yes. oh, God. So let's dig right into actionable tip number one, and then I'll toss it up to Jenna Lee. She'll do the rest of the podcast episode. I'm too embarrassed to speak. Uh, tip number one. Foster connection by teaming up with your child. Jenny? So this is our story. Um, It's really an all too common story in our house, right? It's the end of the night. It's time to clean up. We try to do a nightly reset right after dinner where we encourage the kids to clear their plates. This has been a struggle lately. Like why is it so hard to bring your plate to the sink? Anyways, I clear the rest of the table put away leftovers. Greg is in charge of the dishes. I feel like we found this system that really works for us. And I mean, how many nights do I look at you and say like, we're like the best team? Yeah. You do say it quite a bit. 
And you like kind of roll your eyes at me, but it's true. Like it feels like, at least between Greg and I, feels like a well-oiled machine. Our our kids are an awful addition to the team most of the time. (laughs) We're we're working really hard on on that. Um, They usually go to their playroom after like a lot of coursing, right? Mm. And then they begin tackling the mess of the day. They're still working on like sort of cleaning up as they go. This is our oldest is 11 and it's still a challenge for her. So something that we're continuously working on specific kids that will go unnamed struggle more than others to do their part. Right. I know those names. (laughs) It usually goes something like it's time to clean up. I try to be very neutral about it. This is just what we do. Part of the regular programming. And I get, Oh, I don't want to, or, Oh, why do I have to? Or that's your job. Yeah. So I could take the approach of, you know, my children are ungrateful. They don't want or feel the need to give back to our family. They're the problem, right? I'm pointing the finger. I went down this rabbit hole last weekend and Greg, that wasn't fun, right? Tears. What are we doing wrong? Or, I can make a choice to connect and team up with them and together look at the problem and figure out collaboratively really what's getting, something's getting in the way to have this type of response. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, the, the big idea here and what you're talking about is we are just going to totally shift our perspective immediately, right at the, right at the get-go, mm-hmm. right at the start. Step one is, uh, you know, shifting your perspective. And we've talked about this before, the whole, you know, they're not giving me a hard time. They're having a hard time, you know, recognizing that there is some, some like you said, something in the way, maybe it's a, a, a lack of some sort of skill. But so in shifting our perspective, the way you can do this is some sort of visualization strategy that, again, just can work so fantastically. Is that a word? Fantastically? Sure. Sounds pretty <laughs> enough. So the idea here is you want to visualize this shift by picturing yourself sitting next to your child, you two are on the same team and you're looking head on together at the real problem, right? And so the real problem then could be this lack of skills. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll call it like, you know, a lack of skills monster, like literally kind of personify it in some way. There is this lack of skills monster coming at you and you're sitting next to your kid. You're on the team together and you're going to take on that lack of skills monster. You're going to figure out what you need to do to kick its ass and move forward. You're going to kick him in the butt. Kick him in the butt. Ass is Family my friends. ass is my way of segueing into the more hard swears, which will come in episode five. <laughs> we're going to ease you into it. No, but I think what you're trying to say is like we're in this together, right? Mm-hmm. We're believing that something doesn't feel good or right about cleaning up. And maybe that feels kind of like fluffy and whatever. But we have to realize that cleaning up, it's a lot of work. It's overwhelming. Maybe they don't know where to start. I mean, when I walk into their playroom, uh, sometimes I don't know where to start. Yeah. There's so much stuff out. Maybe they just don't want to do it right now, right? Our kids aren't always going to be on our timeline, regardless of how many times we expect them to be. And, and that doesn't mean we don't hold them accountable, but it's just something we want to keep in our minds that they're not necessarily thinking, you know, now's the time when I want right. or need to clean up. Yeah, motivation is a 
tough animal to kind of get a hold of. Uh, but, but we have our boundaries, and that's have. why setting them and maintaining them is important because yeah. we all will learn and grow yeah. from them. So keep in mind, they are lacking a skill of some sort, and it's our job to work with them on their team to help build those skills or maybe just help foster some motivation, right? It mm. could be a number of different things. So the big takeaway with this tip we need to stop seeing our kids as the problem. They're on our team. They're our teammate. We need to collaborate with them so we can support that skill development. Right. I think, like you said earlier, we're the guide. Mm-hmm. We're there to validate, reassure, and support their growth. You know, in this example, I think I said something like, oh, you really don't want to clean up. I get it. Right? That's the validation piece. Perfect first step. Yep. Something doesn't feel right about it. That's the believing what they perceive. Mm-hmm. I don't have to agree with it, but I can show them that I believe them. And then I said something like, how can we tackle this problem together? You're not alone, right? I didn't say you're not alone, but like that's what I'm thinking. Like yeah. You're not alone in this. How can I help you? How often as a child, if someone had extended that hand to help, would you have better been able to tackle challenging situations? Right. Um, So after a little bit of time, I think she said something like, I don't know where to start. There you go. Right. That's that's hard to hear. Right. You you feel you want to be on that person's team. Like, how can I help you? You don't even know where to begin. You need me. Um, So, you know, we can work on this together. Let's start by picking up all the Barbie dolls first. We want to make the problem smaller for them so they feel better able to manage it. Right. And so, again, I'm picturing myself now as, let's say, a six-year-old kid walking into this playroom that's an absolute mess. And so we have four kids. So, you know, maybe the six-year-old... We have a two-year-old dumper. Yeah. He likes to go over to the bins and just dump because that's fun. So we say say to our (laughs) six-year-old, head into that space and clean it up. Then she walks in. And it's an absolute horror show because her three <laughs> siblings, including herself, have been playing in there. Um, and I can't like I can I know the overwhelm that I experience. I can't even imagine the overwhelm in her brain and not knowing where to start. So it all makes sense. Um, and it you get to that point and kind of recognizing where the skill lacks by getting on their damn team. Right. Mm-hmm. Actionable tip number one. You nailed it. Right. We need to start by fostering connection by teaming up with our kids. So that's step one. Get on their team. Foster that connection. Connect with them. That's just step one. Connect in some way. Validate. Empathize. And that'll bring us into tip number two. So tip number two is discovering the problem by playing detective. Yeah, that's my favorite part. (laughs) (laughs) So Let me go get my, what's that, magnifying glass. And and, your little hat. Yeah. Yeah. So under every quote-unquote misbehavior, there's a story. And it's our job to play detective and figure out what's going on under that story. What's going on beneath the surface? Yeah, and so it seems like this is exactly what you did, right, with Mm -hmm. the cleanup story. Yeah. After you got on on her team through the validation, through the empathizing, you asked, how can we tackle this problem together, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So you fostered connection, right? That was our first tip, tip number one. And then tip two, you worked to discover the problem by playing detective. What skill was lacking? What 
ugly, creepy monster was across from the two of you that was coming at you that needed to be defeated, right? Mm -hmm. And so this reminds me of when we were at my parents' house and our six-year-old had a drink and she spilled it. And so mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm engaged in conversation uh, with my parents and I'm, she comes up to me, you know, dad, I made a spill and I, you know, said to her, okay, clean it up. You know, to me, no big deal. You just right. go clean up the spill. Um, but she wasn't doing it. She was just kind of standing there doing nothing. And I'm, again, I'm, I'm talking with my parents, you know, I wasn't in the, the right state of mind to really give her the attention that she deserved at the time. But, you know, I wasn't being a good guide. I wasn't getting on her team. You know, she wasn't cleaning up the mess clearly something was in the way there's a reason Um, she was seeking out your support exactly right so like what are you looking back what do you think you could have done differently well you know honestly something exactly similar very similar the exact same thing in words you did uh with the cleanup story right i would have uh started with that tip number one i would have fostered connection by teaming up with her right i get on her team and realize there's some skill monster or lack of skill monster coming mm-hmm. at us. So I would have gotten on her team, validated whatever she shared, and then I would have helped to problem solve to find a solution, right? I would have put on my detective hat. All right. So let's say you validated, hmm. right? And we'll give people examples here because I think that that's something that's really helpful to kind of have like yeah. a script to go off of. So it might have sounded something like, I can see why that would feel really difficult to you, right? It's perfectly normal to feel unsure in situations like this. We all make mistakes, yeah, right? So you're validating her. You're make, you're building that connection. Then what? All right. So then play detective, right? Again, my favorite part. Wish I would have done it. Uh, I would have. I'm gonna get you a detective hat yeah. and like a pipe. Ooh, the pipe. For your birthday. Oh, can I can I have a badge too? <laughs> yep. Nice. All right. So like a sticker badge. So I probably would have said something like, all right, let's do some digging. Um, is there something that's making it hard for you to clean up the spill? And I would have used what we call active listening to really hear her. So part of that process is kind of reflecting back what they say. So it's mm-hmm. clear to them that you heard them, right? Right. So like you're being supportive. You're allowing her, giving her space to express herself. Yeah. And you're not criticizing. Exactly, right? We can have these hard conversations where we're asking our kids to be vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's hard for all of us to put ourselves out there and share our deficits, share what's in the way, share the lack of skills. Uh, that's not easy to do, but we're kind of putting it on them to do that. And if they choose to kind of take the bait and, and they're trusting in us and yeah. they feel safe with us to do so. Yeah, we need to we need to be there to listen and support them and ultimately discuss what skills are lacking so we can then move into the third tip, which, spoiler alert, is all about mm-hmm. co-creating solutions together so they can kind of buy into and take ownership of whatever the strategy is. Yeah, and I really love this because, you know, you're teaching her problem solving skills, you're helping her feel more confident in handling these similar situations in the future. And, you know, like I said before, we would all benefit from having supportive people in our life that are patient, are non-judgmental, right? In our times of struggle. I think we get a lot of comments on social media like, oh, the real world's not going to treat them like this. But I mean, the hope I think is that, you know, the real world will 
treat them with kindness, love, respect, non-judgment right. in these types of moments. Um, and, you know, I think that starts at home. Oh, for sure. Right. Let's make a movement. Let's do this at home and let's see how the world changes. Yeah. I mean, how backwards is it to have this idea that... I need to be rough. The, like the, the, the world, the real world is rough and hard. So we at home need to be rough and hard to pre- prepare them for the world versus the version of the world is rough and hard. If at home... We could be soft, caring, understanding, and gentle, calm. calm. We would be raising the next generation of people in the real world that would help shift it from being so awful to not so awful. Right. And we have to think about, like, how good does that feel, right, to treat our kids this way? Try it out with your own kid. When our parenting strategies are leaving us with this icky feeling. Yeah. Something needs to change. And it's not just for our kids, although they're benefiting. It's for us too. Yeah, for sure. It's hard. But we really need to think deeply about the role that we're playing Mm -hmm. as models of kindness and support each and every single day, right? How do we really want to show up? And, you know, remember, it's never going to be about being perfect. I don't think anyone expects anyone else to show up as Mr. Rogers, Mary Poppins, no. you know, pick, no. pick uh, that We're person. not judging you. Please don't judge us. Yeah, right. <laughs> we know we're all perfectly imperfect. Exactly. And so if we can just all work towards being more like the people we want to be bit by bit, we just end up gravitating towards that. We will end up becoming more like that. So mm-hmm. again, no one expects any of us to go from zero to 100 or ever achieve whatever 100 looks like if it even does, which I don't think it does, but we're just trying to move forward. Um, but let's go ahead and dig into actionable tip number three, right? So we have formed that connection. We've gotten onto their team. We realized we're taking on some sort of uh, monster, some sort of challenge, some sort of lack of skill, whatever it might be. I'm so, getting so many amazing visuals during the, this episode creep, of like, like a, the monster yeah. and the detective. Awesome. <laughs> this is fantastic. So we're seeing that monster come on. We've now played detective with our kid. Uh, we've kind of done some digging. What's the problem? Actionable tip number three problem solve by co-creating solutions. And so obviously problem solving is going to be a part of this. Once you've played detective and you found the problem, we are now here to problem solve together with our teammate. We are going to collaborate with them and put it on them to come up with the first solution, right? Put it on them to share their ideas. And that way, they, they kind of are now buying in to hit the microphone here. They are buying into whatever solution we come up with in a collaborative way, though, right? Like I think you're not saying figure it out, figure it out on yeah, your no. own. No, no. you're no. saying in a collaborative way we're going to figure it out together. We're the guide, but your input is equally as important. Exactly. Yeah. So I think for our story, I really want to go back to the story from the beginning of the episode from Sandra about her three year old son. And his difficulty during the bedtime routine, because I think it's one that we all know too well. Every night. (laughs) Every night for the past almost 12 years. (laughs) And usually we don't go back to the stories from the beginning of episodes, but I feel like this one warrants a little bit more digging, just because I think it's something we all deal with. So first of all, we know all kids are different, right? Some kids are sleeping on their own by four weeks. I don't know how that's possible. None of my kids slept on their own through the night until age five 
we're still we're working on it. <laughs> um, but then, you know, every child is different, right? So they go through different periods where the bedtime routine, falling asleep, staying asleep can be more or less challenging. And mm-hmm. all of that is perfectly developmentally appropriate. And right now, getting our son to stay in his bed is difficult. And I don't know that we've really dug into like truly what's difficult about it. So we're really, we're processing this with you guys in real time. (laughs) (laughs) But now, you know, he's in his, he's in the room with his sisters. Um, We have a pretty predictable bedtime routine, but he gets out of bed repeatedly to have me bring him back to bed. And it has to be me, right? Like God love him, but it's exhausting. So I'm like really glad that we're talking about this. Uh, so Jenny, what the hell do we do? <laughs> yeah. So it's really about us, not Sandra. Yeah, sorry, That's Sandra. why we're going back. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, here's where problem solving and co-creating solutions really comes in. And, you know, this might work easier with, you know, Sandra's three-year-old versus our, you know, two and a half-year-old. I think the older they are, the more likely they're able to be able to participate in this type of, you know, collaborative problem solving. But maybe you start with something like, you know, buddy, we've noticed that bedtime has been really tough lately. Can we talk about it? Okay, right. And then let's say they jump in and say, I don't want to go to bed. (laughs) Sounds sounds about right. Um, (laughs) So here's where you validate something like, that's okay. We understand, but... We all need our rest and it's important to get a good night's sleep. And then you might jump into those open-ended questions like, can you tell us what doesn't feel good about bedtime? Right. So, and then you could even come up with some reasons why kids don't like bedtime to kind of, you know, be the spark that gets them going, you know, ask them, oh, are you scared? Because I know that's right. You might get an, I don't know, or you might get a blank stare. Yeah, so, um, you know, I saw something the other day about, you know, adults sleeping with their partner while, you know, their kids are expected to sleep by themselves, right? And I'm just like thinking back, Greg went away for the weekend, last weekend, and I had a hard time falling asleep, staying asleep because my comfort person wasn't there. Mm -hmm. And just think about the fact that we expect our kids to sleep on their own Every night, again, with their developing brains, they're developing emotional regulation, they're developing their ability to really comfort themselves, and we're saying, like, no, you're fine. Stay in bed. There can be a whole slew of things going on. But really, I feel like if we use this reflective listening, if we use more validating, we can, you know, begin to figure out what's going on. So maybe you say something like, Sleeping alone in a dark room can feel really scary. We don't want you to feel that way, right? What can we do to make it less scary? Maybe a nightlight? Do you want to listen to soft music? And so are we doing this at bedtime while it's happening? Great question. No. (laughs) We don't want to do this. This isn't an in-the-moment type of problem-solving So we're doing all this outside of the pressure of bedtime when we can really 
dig into it, right? They're calm. Right, we're not doing it when emotions are running high. Yeah, we need them to be calm so they can access the problem-solving part of the brain and help co-create those solutions with us. Again, I'm, I'm huge into co-creation, even with Happy Human Life. We've been surveying our followers from the start. How do you want us to build this thing? Mm-hmm. What are you looking for? And that's why we're doing this podcast. They, number one, said, make a podcast. Um, but so do that with our kids. Let's co-create. it. You know, We want them to be involved in the solutions so they'll be more motivated to put them into practice. And like I said before, you may have to do more or less of the problem solving depending on your child's age, but I think you get the point. Once you've played detective, you've co-created some sort of a solution to the bedtime problem. You know, maybe a couple of days later, once you've figured out one part of the problem, then you can go on to figure out, you know, how can you make the bedtime routine more enjoyable for everything for everyone? That was another you know, thing that Sandra brought up that, you know, bedtime was going on for two hours and, you know, was becoming really, really challenging for them. So you can think about some things like how can you infuse play into the bedtime routine? You know, maybe they want to pick out their pajamas or they want to pick out a story. Maybe if you have some time, it involves a trip to the library where you can find special books that are just for bedtime. You know, so these are just a couple of suggestions of ways we can make bedtime routines more enjoyable and, you know, more predictable for our kids versus you're going to get a sticker when you brush your teeth and then you're going to get tired of those stickers and they're not going to have any value anymore. And so I think it's important to mention that it's a lot more work to do this. There's a lot more planning, a lot more execution. A sticker is easy to do. Did they do the behavior? Give them a sticker. If they didn't, don't. Like it's so much easier to fall back on these strategies, like the me threatening him last night. It's, I get it that we do it. It works in the short term. Yeah, and I get it that others do it. To do it, what we would argue, better, to be more effective and and long-term more efficient because it would involve less work over time, Mm -hmm. you got to put in the work now, right? So it's a lot of proactive work at the start, but it's one step at a time. Right, and I think we can acknowledge that it's work. I mean, parenting is work. Hardest damn job I've ever had. But if we want it to get better... If we want it to feel better, these are some things that we might have to think about incorporating into our daily lives. Absolutely. So again, one step at a time. Pick one thing, right? I I listed out a a couple of ways to make the bedtime routine easier. You don't need to do all of those. Pick one that you think you can do. Yeah. Start and start there. Yeah. And uh, you know the idea. And we're going to do this too because we are struggling too, like we said. And I think. Those are great ideas yeah, that I just thought. And so, you know, what's, what's funny is, I don't know how much we've even talked about this, but, you know, we have these tips that we share out with you. We are actively working on these things ourselves. So it's not like we're, you know, at the top of the mountain saying, hey, I made it and we're going to help you up the mountain too. Right. I we're, did X, Y, Z. You should do it too. God, no. We are we're really struggling working our way up that mountain. And, you know, we do come together to come up with these actionable tips from our fields, the things that we, you know, the the science of the day is kind of telling us how we should approach things. We are trying our best to put these tips into practice ourselves and are kind of just inviting you all along that journey Mm -hmm. with us. Um, So I just want you to keep that in mind. Uh, Don't ever think that this is is an easy thing to do. It's hard, but you're here, you're listening, which shows us you're on the same path as us. You also are seeking growth, and this is what we need to do. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that brings us to the conclusion. Greg, do you want to sort of summarize the three tips of 
using emotionally intelligent discipline? Yes. So again, the big idea, the big takeaway that we stressed at the very front of this episode, we are trying to replace punishment with connection. So tip number one, remember these follow a step-like progression. Shall I explain how steps work again? I think we're good. I think we're good. All right. So step number one, you're going to foster connection by teaming up with your child. You're sitting next to them, looking across at this problem monster coming your way. And two, you are going to discover what that problem is by playing detective. This is where you can have a little bit of fun being that detective you always wanted to be, which would then uh, set you up for step number three, actionable tip number three. You are going to problem solve by co-creating solutions with your child. Yeah, and let us know how it goes. We'd love to hear yeah. about your experiences. That's something people can do. Can they comment on podcast episodes? I don't even know. We should learn more about this know. stuff. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> if you know how to comment on yeah. a podcast, <laughs> let us know. We really are figuring this <laughs> out in weird. real time, people. It's not a hoax. It is stressful. <laughs> uh, we hope it's coming across not too clunky. Uh, I mean, I think it's authentic. That's, that's the it. That's the term people are using now, right? Okay. It's not clunky. It's not messy. It's authentic. This is the most authentically... <laughs> authentic podcast you've ever... <laughs> <laughs> All right, so if you found any value in this episode, please go to happyhumanlife.org. You can sign up for our community or yes. exciting news, you can check out our new coaching and support program that we're calling the Happy Human Life Collective. Greg, do you want to? Yes. So today actually marks the kickoff of the pilot. So officially, very exciting. This stuff. morning, we are, are getting people enrolling themselves into the program. It's super exciting. We've been at this Happy Human Life thing for about a year, just sharing content out. And people have been messaging us every week looking for more support. And we are just really excited to. This is our first step towards finally that. have it. So this is a coaching and support program. Um, which kind of at the core of it, every week will be a weekly challenge. And so, you know, we based sh- on some sort of theme. Yeah. And so we have these actionable tips that we share out through our emails to the community or through this podcast. The weekly challenge in the coaching group will actually ask you to put to practice the actionable tip. We will have you go through a specific activity to help you do these things. It's it's too easy to kind of just listen to the tip. It comes in and comes out. But in this program, you're going to, Put the practice these tips so you can actually achieve that growth that you're looking for. In addition to these weekly challenges, we will have monthly live coaching meetings. So you could sit from the comfort of your home on your phone or your computer in a live meeting with Jenilee and I to talk about the things that you want to talk about most. Uh, you'll be able to access the digital downloads that we're creating. We've been doing these kind of podcast one pages for these episodes. You can find a link to it in the show notes. If you are in the coaching program, you, they're just included. You get them uh, as being a part of the program. And one of the features that I'm most excited about are these kind of interactive group community feeds. And so some of it mimics a kind of social media experience where you can, again, share pictures, photos, reflections. And then there's also this kind of group chat feature, which is more like a group text thread. Uh, And again, we just started it today and we're already interacting with people in the program. And it's just so cool to kind of take the next step with And let people get to know us a little more personally. Um, You know, we're excited that we're going to be doing these weekly challenges right alongside you. So you're going to get to see our reflections. 
we're a work in progress too. And we're just so excited to be on this ride with you guys. Yeah. And so I just need to mention, we are offering the program free for 14 days. So if you go ahead to happyhumanlife.org, let me get that right. Uh, Click on the coaching tab. You will be able to access a 14-day free trial of this coaching and support program. We know you're going to love it. Please check it out. We promise uh, it's going to help you grow. All right. So looking ahead to our future podcasts, our Next episode is all about creating a positive home, which I think, you know, all of our episodes really focus on that, but we're really going to dive into this idea of how can we create this supportive and nurturing space for our family. You know, we want to thank you guys so much for being here. Please subscribe, leave a review. It's quite literally the best way to get these messages out to as many caregivers as possible. We want to be able to support people and we want people to know that they're truly not alone in this journey. And you know, the more that you're sharing this podcast with others, the more people we can get to be a part of our community and support one another. Yeah. And so your homework then, share this podcast with a friend. Uh, We all have our moms and dads and grandparent friends who... Teachers. Teachers who we know would benefit from just listening in on these conversations. So please share it out, help us out, help the community. Um, And yeah, we are going to end our episode with a mantra message. Jenilee, am I allowed to read it or is it only you? I think this one's for me, Greg. Ah, (laughs) I was getting ready with But this is my favorite moment of the episode. So if you're able to do so, take a moment, look inward, and you can repeat after me. I will offer my child patience and understanding. I will let their truth be my guide. Each challenge we face is not a setback, but instead a chance for remarkable growth. Love it. Thanks, Jenny. (laughs) You're welcome. All right. We'll see you soon, everybody. See you later. 